Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. During this month of June, we celebrate the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm so happy to be speaking with Emily Jaminette, who is a speaker, a blogger, and also serves on the leadership team of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. She is the executive director of Enthronement to the Sacred Heart Network, which you can find at welcomehisheart.com. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Emily Jaminette. Thank you so much for having me, Father, and I I can't move forward without saying I'm so proud that I'm a wife and mother of seven children, ranging from 20 to four, so that sure keeps me very grounded. Wow, and so that's that's so wonderful, and yeah, of course, being a mom and uh, conveying the faith, and you've written a number of, of books, um, Divine Mercy for, for Moms, The Friendship Project, Pray Fully, um, Simple Steps to Become a Woman of Prayer, and you have a new book coming out this fall on Secrets of the Sacred Heart. And as a wife, as a mother, uh, maybe how is it that you pray? So kind of going with the idea of pray fully, simple steps to become a woman of prayer. How is it in your own life that you found prayer to be beneficial? And how do you remain rooted in prayer, uh, given everything that you go through in life? Well, prayer is our daily fuel. Prayer is what the Lord has given us to be strengthened, to be comforted, to be really renewed each and every day. And um, a lot of times when we are in the busy mode, the busy bee mode, we can forget, um, you know, where to go to be spiritually uh, strengthened. And as a young mom, I, I, my brother, my physical, biological brother is a Catholic priest, and I still remember the day he looked at me and he asked me about my prayer life, and I, I basically said, I'm too busy to pray. I have all these little kids, and, you know, and he just said, you're never too busy to pray. Prayer, you know, prayer is our lifeline to God. And I that that moment, the Holy Spirit really struck me and showed me that He's right because it's not just about praying for me, but it's doing God's will. And as a, as a busy parent, you know, what's best for each child? So ever since really that moment, that awakening, I've seen that importance of prayer. It doesn't mean I'm good at it, Father, I confess. I'm, I'm you know, we all struggle in prayer, but part of being prayed fully is, saying, you know, I want to work on my prayer life, just like you would with exercise or diet or even your career goals. You need to set out and and start taking those steps, and we're all at different places, but the church is so full and rich, and there's so many ways to pray to Jesus, you know, through, through Mary, that we can really be restored and renewed. And one of the ways in which we do pray, and a lot of people find beneficials through a lot of different devotions in the church. So people will pray the rosary, for example, uh, reflecting on the life of Jesus and Mary uh, through the rosary mysteries. People like to pray litanies. They'll pray the litany of the Blessed Virgin, or they'll pray the litany of humility. They'll pray these litanies. And of course, there's a litany to the Sacred Heart, and a lot of your work deals with the Sacred Heart of Jesus, And 
How is it then that maybe as, again, as a mom and, and so forth, how is it that you pray with the heart of Jesus or um, around that idea, that devotion to the heart of Jesus? You know, that's such a great question. And I really um, was privileged with seeing what this devotion did in the light of my immediate relatives, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my, you know, hearing the stories of faith and how the devotion to the Sacred Heart was such a stabilizing devotion. And yet these, you know, it didn't only stabilize them, it inspired them to want to be like Christ and have a heart like Christ. And that's a heart full of love. And from that love, we go forth and serve. And from that love, we are able to be transformed. So really, this, you know, chapter, when I talk about the devotion to the Sacred Heart and pray fully, or even, you know, the book that I have coming out on this topic in October, I believe what will transform all of society was what, you know, has been preached from the very beginning of the Church, and that is developing a devotion to His most sacred heart, and from that being filled with God's love, not us trying to fill ourselves with our love. Because I sure know as a busy parent, I fall short when I rely on myself, but when the Lord fills me, I can then go forth and, and serve others. And that's where, um, you know, we can see it in the spreading of the church. We can see it in, in the lives of the saints. This is an opportunity to pray fully and completely when we, we have God's love in us. And one of the things with the Sacred Heart is that, as I mentioned a little bit ago, that the month of June is a month dedicated to the Sacred Heart, just like May was the month of Mary. June is the month of the Sacred Heart. July is the month of the Precious Blood. So there's all these devotions that are attached to the months. And then also during the month of June, we'll have the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which moves every year based upon the liturgical calendar corresponding to one of the Sundays. Um, it's observed on a Friday, but it's also one of these feasts that we have the twin the twin devotions. So um, kind of like the, the brother-sister devotions in a sense. So on Friday, we have the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And then on Saturday, there's the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, you know, we see this again in September when you have the triumph of the cross on the 14th, and then you have the 15th, which is the Our Lady of Sorrows. And I know for myself as a, a Marian writer and theologian that that I, I even, you, well, you published with Ave Maria Press uh, a lot of your works, a lot of your books. And so they published a book of mine, A Heart Like Mary's, and I talk about living with a Marian heart. And, and really, for me, I saw that expressed through the Fatima message that Mary says, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. And for me then, when I heard that message of Our Lady, I said, well, her Immaculate Heart's going to triumph in all of us when we begin to live with the Marian Heart. And so what you're getting at with the Sacred Heart is that once we begin to have a devotion to the Sacred Heart, when we welcome His Heart, well, that's going to revolutionize families. It's going to revolutionize the church, our society, that it's really returning back to basics uh, in this devotional life of the church. Maybe one of the things to ask about that then is, how is it that you discovered this devotion in your own life to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? Well, I, I actually distinctly remember, Father, when my grandfather received a letter for his 80th birthday, and it was from Mother Teresa. And I'm not sure people get birthday cards from Mother Teresa, but it was a thank you note 
saying thank you for promoting not only the Sacred Heart, but also the Immaculate Heart. And he created these plaques in his basement for 30 years that went out into the mission field and went into the house of the sick and the dying across, you know, all of Calcutta, all of India, Albania, and connected to the Men and the Sacred Hearts, which is a lay movement from um, the, the Sacred Heart. Uh, movement that started from Father Mateo, passed on to Father Larkin. So I stumbled upon this as a young child, very impressed. And as a result, I saw in his life this transformation, then my parents' life being transformed and talking about how they really sought these graces and this transformation, like you mentioned. That And, and seeing it is really the way that we, um, you know, authentic faith is so inspiring. It's something that, you know, if we can live what we believe, think of the lives that can be impacted. And what I found was that there are a lot of times there was these big intimidating words such as, and you know this, Father, theological words like even enthronement, you know, that's a big word that Americans don't really know what that might mean. But it's really the family or the individual deciding to place Jesus on a throne, in their home, in a place of honor, and making it a moment that they remember, and remember in the life of their family. And that's a very simple, stripped-down explanation of enthronement. But honestly, when you do that, your life will be transformed. I, our family did that back in 2011 from the encouragement of my parents, please, please, don't only hang your image of Jesus and Mary in your home, but put them in a place of honor. Let's have this ceremony. Let's, you know, um, all be present. Let's gather with you and support you and your and your family. And the graces that have flown are are through through this act of trust have been really transformative. And I like to say, um, a young priest, Father Sash Daly said to me once, he said, Jesus loves to rearrange the furniture of your house. And that's a good way to describe what enthronement means, because he will help you reset your priorities of really it does, you know, club soccer makes sense for seven children, you know, I'm being hypothetical, but sometimes we're so busy being busy that we can forget to be family, or we're so busy in, in our lives that we forget to be parents and recognize that we're children of God. So um, the transformation that took place in my own life, in my family's life, and now I'm seeing that in others' lives, um, call me to the mission field and see that the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart, I always like to say Mary leads us to Jesus, and Jesus loves to introduce us to his mother. So it's complementary, like you said, and June is the great reset month of this devotion, and it's so rich, along with every single First Friday. Yeah, so you talk about the enthronement of the Sacred Heart and uh, just kind of how that looks like, uh, I'm imagining, and I've seen it done sometimes in practice. I actually haven't done it for any of anybody I know personally, but I know of others through social media that, that have had it done. But essentially, there's two images, one of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and one of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and a priest or a deacon, they come, and maybe they bless the home, but then there's kind of this prayer, and then the images are hung, and really it's allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your house. You know, 
the book of Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And really that it's, it's saying, yes, that's what I want. I want Jesus to be the head of this house. I want Mary to be the one, to be our mother who prays for us, who obtains all of these graces, as you mentioned. Is, is that a good assessment, uh, kind of just a, a little introduction to the enthronement? Yes, that, that is a great um, introduction. And I, I think one of the things that we like to tell people is this is not a sacrament, <laughs> right? This is a devotion, and the devotion is one in which the, the family, um, we always love to encourage them to invite the priest to bless the home, but it's not a requirement to have the priest or deacon physically present in the home for the enthronement. It's the family or the individual's decision to say, we place this image, you know, as a family in a place of honor, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord, we shall build this covenant as an extension of our fruitful and, you know, active life in the Catholic Church. So it's not replacing Mass, it doesn't replace a sacrament, it doesn't replace anything, it's an addition to, and it's, what I find, um, one of the things we do is we encourage families to fill out this certificate of completion. And it's not because it's a, it's a course and you, you know, we, we need to document the course, but what we have found is that many people will go back to that date and they will renew their enthronement, that they will celebrate the enthronement, and they will see the significance of that moment in the life of their family in a way that they, they never imagined. So a good way to um, explain it, for example, was, the, a family did the enthronement, not really struggling with their Catholic faith, very busy, very active, and yet through the enthronement realized that there was some addiction in the family. I've heard much about addiction to video games, addiction to alcohol. You know, even teenagers, you know, um, struggling with addiction of, of drugs and alcohol. And so the enthronement gave them the grace to get those people to treatment to deal with it, to, to gain these spiritual tools. It's not replacing the treatment, but it's, it gives that family the grace. And so a lot of people like to describe enthronement as, you know, welcoming Jesus. He is the invisible guest at the kitchen table. He is always present in the dialogues and discussions. He's there while we watch TV. He's there when we are, you know, each, each stage of our life. So, um, being with the shortage of the, the, you know, the number of vocations to the priesthood, we aren't requiring the priestess present, but they're always welcome to be there. The things that they can do, obviously, bless the home. They can give a homily. They can, you know, a, you know assist in the ceremony. But the family really is the one that's saying, um, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord as an extension of their very active life um, in the parish or the renewal and the, the beginning of this more deeper conversion. So there would be a calling to mind then as a family unit when you see the picture, you are reminded of the fact we are dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Now, would a family, maybe your family or any families you know, do they have a, a particular devotion maybe that they say a prayer that they say to the Sacred Heart of Jesus uh, as a part of you this? Know, you know, that's a great um, question, and yes. One of the things that we do at Welcome It's Heart is that we encourage people to say um, three prayers, hopefully every day. And I think you'll, you'll recognize these prayers right away. The morning offering, because the importance of starting your day in prayer 
And this morning offering, um, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparations of sins, and the union of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our Bishop and the Apostles of Prayer, and particularly for the recommended for the Holy Father this month, his intention. So this idea, everyone has different morning offerings, but I encourage families to do the morning offering. We will do the morning offerings on the way to school. I know my children's Catholic school says the morning offering, but it's it's a way to set your day, and then you're also gaining the graces for those joys, those sorrows, these acts of reparation. But the, the prayer I wanted to share with you real quick is the renewal prayer, and um, the, the importance of, well, actually, it's a renewal prayer, but it's, it's a personal covenant, and we have it all throughout our materials. We send it in significant bulk, and it's the almost holy heart of Jesus, Prayer, and it's, um, O Most Holy Heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I adore you, I love you, and with a lively sorrow for my sins, I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body, assistance in my temporal needs. And your blessing by all that I do in the grace of a holy death. Amen. And that prayer, Father, I can't even tell you the number of people that have told me what that prayer has done for their life, for their family's life. It, they say it after dinner. They say it in the morning. We learned that prayer. I called it the going to school prayer because I kept the little prayer card above my um, visor. I would hand it to the kid in the front seat. It would say the prayer on the way to school. And within six months of just saying it once a day, we all, all seven kids learned it. And, and while the, the four-year-old doesn't really know it, but she knows to sit quietly for it. But that transformation that takes place through memorized prayer um, is, is so important. You mentioned a little earlier about First Friday. And, of course, the devotion to the Sacred Heart really takes off with some apparitions of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary Alico. This, uh, maybe she lived in the 1600s, 1700s, and uh, she was a, a sister uh, in Paray-le-Monial. And she received these revelations, and uh, especially about First Friday and the Sacred Heart. The devotion of the Sacred Heart really goes back a long time, some would even say, to the Sacred Scriptures, uh, especially when his heart is pierced with the sword. But also, I think there was a Carthusian monk that kind of wrote a lot about the Sacred Heart, uh, maybe in the 1100s, if I'm uh, recalling correctly. Uh, but anyways, maybe how... or. Can you speak just a little bit about St. Margaret Mary Alico and the devotion that she promotes to the Sacred Heart? Yes. You know, St. Margaret Mary was um, a sister that was uh, not very well educated even. And I think it's important to know that God wants to use each and every one of us. It's not, you know, if only the A-plus students get, get to be on the path of holiness. It's an invitation to all of us. But she had such a tremendous love for the Lord. Even as a very young child, she had a miracle that took place where she prayed for a physical healing and told the Blessed Mother that if she was healed 
of this um, inability to walk, this deep sickness that she had for a number of years that she would give her life to, to becoming a sister, and that's what she did. But the, the promises are, I like to tell people, the 12 promises are a summary of all the promises that our Lord revealed to her. And if you don't, if you want to learn more, uh, one of the greatest resources that I used was her letters for writing this book. Um, the majority of the book came from directly from her words from the letters, and that is um, actually published by Tan Press. So you can gain from her words such insight and understanding. And one of the things our Lord asked for is for acts of reparation. So one of the things um, I like to tell people is reparation. And as I mentioned, of all these children, is as simple as my child, you know, playing baseball on the court, hitting the ball, breaking somebody's window, and then you say, uh-oh, the window is broken. <laughs> and Mrs. Davina needs to go right on over, apologize for the window. The child apologizes for the broken window, but then we seek to repair what is the damage. So we get out the checkbook. I write a check for $100, and I look at that sweet child of mine, and I say, okay, you're going to mow the lawn, and these are the things we're going to do to make up for that. Or another way to think of it is, you know, as the world is falling apart and losing faith, we can turn to the Lord and say, we love you, God, so much. We are here to console you, and we want you to know that we are, are offering up those trials in our life. So it's as simple as that. But First Friday is a reminder of, of the importance of offering up our trials. One of the, the 12th promise, they call it the great promise, and it's, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that the all-powerful love will grant to those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays of nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in the last moments. So um, that prayer, that promise is such a great inspiration for all of us Catholics to live out the First Friday devotion, to go to Mass and receive communion for nine consecutive months. And as you know, Father, it goes nicely with First Saturdays, um, the, the importance of going to Mass for, for Saturdays. But the, I like to say First Fridays um, is an extent, it's a way of living, so I try not to get caught up on the number nine. Once you make nine, it's not, you know, nine and done. It's living this life of always being renewed on the first Friday. And if you miss it, um, I haven't gotten the priest to say that, that I filled my obligation, but he does always say, and you, Emily, you're still breathing, so you get to keep going at filling that, that commitment. So that's, um, I've received a lot of encouragement with just realizing I want it to be an ongoing lifestyle of, of living out that first Friday. It's very evident that you're very devoted and dedicated to the Sacred Heart. You want to invite people to welcome His Heart uh, into their homes. You're coming out with this new book, Secrets of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, 12 Ways to Claim Jesus' Promise in Your Life. And uh, those promises come to us, again, from St. Margaret Mary Alico. And of the 12 promises, what would be your favorite promise that Jesus makes to those who are devoted to His Sacred Heart? You know, my favorite promise is um, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state in life. And I think that is um, the, the first summary, the first promise. But the importance of just knowing that God wants to be part of your 
everyday life. He wants to give you all those graces. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, we think that only if we're good, you know, will the Lord love me. But no, he wants to, he wants to feed us. And that's really the summary of, of a loving, uh, a loving relationship that we have with Jesus. And then what Jesus says is he introduces us to his Abba, to his father, and it's, um, and then to his mother. But so it's, it's so amazing. And, and we're invited to the, the more we go closer to the heart of Jesus, the more we want that heart that's compassionate, that's loving, that's kind, that's merciful, that's forgiving, that is um, understanding, and it's it's really a, a high mark, but it's reset my heart, and it's allowed me to see the areas that I fall, and also made me just um, more aware of those that, as the world struggles with the word love, that we, we don't need to look anywhere else but to the heart of Jesus to know what true love and real sacrifice is. Maybe just lastly, before we move into your Marian profile, that as we celebrate the Sacred Heart during the month of June, what would just be one recommendation that you would give to listeners to try to claim devotion to the Sacred Heart, to renew that devotion in their life, to have it for the first time? What's one simple thing you'd recommend for them to do during the month of June? Well, Father, I would recommend that they go and visit welcomeisheart.com and learn about enthronement. Because when you picture our Lord in your home and a part of your life and you place an image um, of importance in your home, you will be transformed because your heart will long to be like Jesus is. It's, it's so beautiful. And, and the testimonies, like I said, we, we continue to get are um, very inspiring to say, enthrone your home to the Sacred Heart, give it all to Jesus, and let him um, sort it out for you. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing about enthronement to the Sacred Heart. I hope a lot of people give consideration to it, that they'll check out your apostolate, your ministry, welcomeisheart.com. And just before we end the show, I always like to talk a little bit about the guest's own Marian devotion, really to spotlight and to show that Marian devotion for each person is unique. It's not cookie cutter, that everybody makes devotion to Mary their own. And so I just have a series of questions you can kind of answer at rapid fire if you want. So there are many titles for Mary. She's a woman of many names. Uh, is there a favorite title that you have for the Blessed Mother? Um, you know, the Blessed Mother really is my, she's my, my mother. She's my, I would say, uh, I don't have a specific, you know, um, specific title, but I really see her as my mother because as a busy mom with seven children, that's who I look to as the Heavenly Mother. And I tell my children, I'm your not perfect mom, but your real perfect mom lives in heaven. So they know they have these two mothers uh, attempting to, to raise them. There are lots of different sacramentals that we have, the rosary, the scapular, the miraculous medal. There are so many others. Is there a Marian sacramental that you have that you make use of in your life? Uh, the rosary. I actually, like I said, I'm always on the go, but I always have that audio rosary right on my phone. Sometimes I do it on repeat when I'm cleaning the kitchen, and I will all of a sudden realize that I've done um, you know, the complete rosary, which... My grandfather did um, as a young, well, he actually said every decade, every day with his, with my grandmother, that was their commitment at the time to say all three. And if she didn't say it, 
he would stay up to five rosaries a day to fulfill that commitment. So very, very inspiring. And I, I just hope to make one rosary a day. But I find audio rosary is a great way to, to pray. There are lots of different prayers to the Blessed Mother. The most popular is the Hail Mary, simply because part of it comes from the pages of sacred scripture, the words of the angel, the greeting of Elizabeth. Do you have any favorite Marian prayer that you like praying? Um, you know, I do love the, the Hail Mary. That is that is one that I try to keep on my lips and make sure I share with my children. And I love that it's based in scripture. So I think we'll, we'll say that one, Father. A lot of people find the rosary to be monotonous. Sometimes they say, I don't pray the rosary because I just don't know how to engage that prayer. Is there any tip for praying the rosary that you found helpful that you'd like to share? Yes. Um, something that's really helped me with even a lot of people asking about praying the rosary with the children. Um, I like to say we're building a bouquet. So when the children were little, I would ask them what color they wanted their bouquet to be with each decade. And so in their mind, they were using imagination. It's a great way to do it. Think of it as building her crown uh, with, with different types of flowers. It's, it's just a beautiful way to, to, re- to recognize the importance. And also, um, I think the rosary, the more that you slow down and you really try to understand what, you're, what mystery you're meditating on and um, you know, read The Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen, um, the better part, I'm reading that book, the more the scriptures come alive and you see the significance of each uh, mystery. There are lots of different references to Mary in scripture. In the Old Testament, we see kind of foreshadowings or allusions to Mary. We meet her in the Gospels, especially in Luke's Gospel, at the foot of the cross in John, and the book of Revelation. Uh, out of all these Marian passages, is there one that you especially enjoy? Now, that's a great question. Um, just uh, two years ago, I was in the Holy Land for the second time with my husband, and that trip, everything comes to be 3D. But, um, you know, I, I just think that the Blessed Mother, you realize, is always present in these key moments, and um, I'm just always amazed at the, the miracle of Cana and how significant that was with Mary initiating um, and calling Jesus and really... Uh, starting his active ministry. So that that is one of my favorites. I love Thursday praying um, the Luminous Mysteries, and it really pertains a lot to, to family life and the importance of marriage and um, what I seek to live out. There are a lot of apparitions of the Blessed Mother. She has appeared to children, spoken messages to them. Do you have a favorite Marian apparition? Well, I do, Father. Um, my entire family went to Medjugorje. It is not the officially approved one, but when I was in eighth grade, and we um, experienced just such transformation of our entire family that it was very inspiring. And from there, um, I also have been to Lourdes, which was was amazing. Um, so I, I seek to go where Our Lady calls us, and um, obviously, even in the Holy Land, uh, experiencing not a Marian apparition, but really walking her footsteps was uh, transformative. Yeah, to realize that she was there. That was the original Marian apparition when she, she was yes. alive and lived uh, lived her life with Jesus and the apostles. There are shrines to Mary. Of course, these Marian apparition sites, they are shrines themselves, but there are devotional shrines to Mary under different titles, like Our Lady of Perpetual Help or Our Lady of the Snows. Is there a Marian shrine you've been to that left an impression on you? 
You know, um, I that's a that's a really good rapid quiet fire question. I I would say you know going to Lords um, when she said you know that that she was her immaculate mother that that was beautiful because one of the things that really amazes me with all the the book writing I've done that our Lord whispers such truth to children and really shares um, such important messages for the simple soul. So, so that's something that is, um, I don't know, really, really inspiring to me. So I, I don't have a specific one, but just being able to do a few of those has been great. Well, one of the things with Lourdes too, is that the grotto of Masabiel has been replicated in so many different places that even if you can't go to Lourdes, France, you can visit a little grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and, and just to think about the story there and to, um, to invoke Mary's intercession. Is there a Marian book from any author that you've read that you'd like to recommend? Um, you know, that is a great, you're asking such great questions, and I would say my, I'm, I'm happy to say my bookshelves are full of amazing resources on the Blessed Mother on, on our Catholic faith, and each one has tidbits. One of the ones um, I'm thinking of is I like Mary, Marian books that have a little bit every single day. So I'm thinking of um, by, oh, Father, I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking at every day with Mary, and it's reflections um, by the Maystock Ministry by our Sunday visitor. That's one, but I like like little daily devotionals where they give a little bit of insight um, to the Blessed Mother. So I don't have like this one Marian book, but um, I definitely like to have a variety. That's great. And uh, the last question: uh, When we go to Marian. Uh, when we go, let me just think of how to phrase it. Boy, um, when we have the Marian feast days of the church, the holy days of obligation, like the Feast of the Assumption, the Immaculate Conception, Mary, Mother of God, is there a particular Marian song that you want to hear at that Mass? Oh, what a great question. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'm very much looking forward to August 15th. And because I know that my heart longs for the Assumption, I love that feast day. That's actually where my family was in Medjugorje back in 1989. But I love to hear the words Immaculate Mary. That that song um, touches with my heart, and I've had a little bit of vocal issues in the past, which um, I can't sing as loud as I'd like to, but I sure love um, hearing everyone sing around me. Well, that's so great. Well, thank you so much uh, today, Emily Jaminet, for being with us to talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. If people want to learn more about you, your ministry, and follow you on social media, how can they do that? Well, just plug Emily, J-A-M-I-N-E-T, into the search bar, and you will find my Instagram or my public Facebook. And to learn anything about the Sacred Heart, uh, go to welcomehisheart.com and send us a message with any of your questions, comments, and um, we would love to even send you a Sacred Heart enrollment material. And I'll be sure to put all of this information in the show notes so people will be able to find it. Uh, you have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening so that others might find it too. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.